And here we go, everybody. Another edition of Jamal About Sports coming to you on a Tuesday night, January 26, 2021. Kicking off the show, Ain't It a Shame by the B-52s off their Bouncing Off the Satellites album, which I believe came out in 1986, maybe 87, pretty sure it was 86. As always, I'm your host, Jamal Hayden. We've got a big show to get to. We've got uh, NFL coaching carousel news, especially as it pertains to the Lions. We've got uh, unfortunate news about the Lions and Matthew Stafford. That song, again, was Ain't It a Shame, and I felt that it was apropos to to lead the show off with that because, uh, unfortunately, it looks like Matthew Stafford will not be finishing his career as a Detroit Lion. We'll uh, talk about the championship games a little bit, and then we'll finish it up with some Knicks basketball. But uh, we begin with the Matthew Stafford news, uh, which was reported over the weekend, I think on Saturday, that essentially the end of the season, Matthew went to management ownership and said it's probably a good idea for both parties if uh, you trade me. And... Um, I honestly can't blame the guy at all. I absolutely love Matthew Stafford. He is my top three favorite Lions of all time. Billy Sims, Barry Sanders, Matthew Stafford. Probably in that order. And Billy will always be number one in my mind and heart because that's when I first became a fanatical Lions fan was Billy Sims' rookie year. Nobody played with the flair Billy Sims had. It was elegant, stylish, without being self-aggrandizing. He was incredibly talented runner. Had he not gotten hurt, very well may have been one of the top five running backs of all time as far as statistics were concerned. He could do everything. Tremendous runner. Tremendous receiver, could block. Uh, And remember, he played in an era where teams threw the ball maybe 25 times a game. 30 was a lot in those days in the early 80s. Um, And, you know, was saddled. Was basically the the Lions' whole offense in those days. They did have a good fullback with him. And that's back in the days when most pro sets were two wide receivers, a tight end, a fullback, and a halfback. You know, those days are long gone. <laughs> but, um, and James Jones was a very good fullback for the Lions for a couple of years, particularly as a pass catcher. Remember, one year he had 77 catches, which was considered an insane amount uh, in those days. Still a fair amount today. Um, but so Billy will always be my guy. I mean, I wore number 20 when I was young because of Billy. Uh, unfortunately, I wasn't able to get it later in life and then ended up wearing number 24. Uh, as an homage to Freeman McNeil, former Jets running back, whom I also was a big fan of. Um, And then Barry, you know, there was nobody like Barry, enough said. And then there's Matthew. And so, listen, I've been saying this for years. A lot of people out there in the Twitterverse didn't want to listen. Kept insisting that Bob Quinn knew what he was doing. I kept telling you all that he didn't know what the hell he was doing. And this is the result. And that's what's so galling about this. You know, had had the Lions done well and finished on a high note, or even if even if this year was sort of like how Philip Rivers went out. And look, Philip Rivers is four or five years older than Matthew Stafford. Uh, he's been in a league 17 years, I believe. So, 
you know, they made the, had a good season, you know, left the Chargers, played one year for the Colts, had a good season, and then decided to hang them up. You know, let's say the Lions had, had a decent team, made the, made the playoffs this year, couldn't get over the hump. Well, first of all, he wouldn't, he wouldn't have retired. But, uh, again, what's so galling about this is that Bob Quinn inherited the greatest gift in all of sports, which is a franchise-level quarterback, and he pissed it away spectacularly, in spectacular fashion. Terrible drafts, terrible free agent signings, poor salary cap management, and hiring arguably the worst coach in Lions history. I understand the record doesn't say that, although it's really bad. And he was only here three years, thank God. But Matt Patricia, all right, by by record, is it the worst coach in Lions history? That has to go to Marinelli, obviously, because he went 0-16 and 1-23 in a 24-game stretch. But... At least Rod Marinelli was a nice man. At least he wasn't a jackass, arrogant prick like Matt Patricia. He didn't pretend to be the smartest guy in the room. Rod Marinelli should have never had the job to begin with. He was overmatched. And, you know, again, as Judge Smells will tell you, the world needs ditch diggers too. I mean, look, Rod Marinelli stayed around the league for a long time as a defensive line coach. That was his forte. He's a pretty good one. That's what he was before the Lions hired him. So, you know, I think Patricia takes the cake because how distasteful he was as a person, at least as, again, his public persona. I, you know, I don't, I have no idea. I've never met the man. I don't know what he's like, you know, off the field, so to speak. But the, the stories are now legend. Lots of players hated him. Dominic Rayola, who never played for Patricia, but I, I suspect maybe is, you know, he was Stafford center for uh, a, a long part of Matthew's career. And Dominic Rayola played in Nebraska under Tom Osborne. I mean, Dominic Rayola is an old school, you know, hard-nosed player. Dominic Rayola is not one, he's not a, 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 a delicate flower who can't take hard coaching. And he said Patricia was awful and people don't even realize how bad he was. And 100% hastened Matthew wanting to leave was Bob, were Bob Quinn and, and, and Matt Patricia. So that's what makes it so galling is that, yes, he's kind of going out on his own terms, but he's really not. Look, I don't blame him for not wanting to stick around for what appears to be now a rebuild. And I guess you could make the argument that, well, if he stayed, then it wouldn't be a rebuild. Look, I got news for you Lions fans. The Lions are bereft of talent. Bob Quinn has gutted this roster. There's zero talent on defense, and any talent that is there on offense, for the most part, are free agents. Okay, DeAndre Swift. I mean, he showed some flashes as a rookie. He ain't Billy Sims. He ain't Barry Sanders. I'm not saying he need to be, but he's far from a sure thing. You need two running backs in this league now. At least, Lions only have one. Karrion Johnson, disaster. And that's all they got on the roster because Bob Quinn wasted picks like Tyron, like Ty Johnson, who drafted in the sixth round, who showed promise, got rid of him so we could get Adrian Peterson. That made sense on a terrible team. Drafted the Huntley kid in the fifth round, cut him also for Adrian Peterson. So there's no depth to speak of at running back. Zero. So the Lions have to be expending capital again on running backs because of Bob Quinn. There's no depth at wide receiver at all. 
And if you're going to rebuild, you may as well let Kenny Galladay walk anyway. Or, or sign him to franchise tag and trade him. Marvin Jones is a free agent. He ain't going to be back. I'd like to see him go wherever Stafford goes, by the way. That would be great. Love Marvin Jones. One of the very few good moves Bob Quinn made while he was the general manager. Okay, you got TJ Hawkinson. That's it at tight end. Lines have nothing else at tight end. Jesse James, another disastrous signing by Bob Quinn. Maybe the Hunter Bryan kid from Washington, actually. You know, he's supposed to be a pass-catching specialist. Had one nice play this year. We'll see. Big knock on him coming out of college is he's always hurt. And, of course, what happened when he was on the lines, he was hurt for most of the year. Didn't play till very late in the season. O-line is good, not great. But the skill positions need major work on offense. And the defense across the board is a horror show. So, this team's going to be bad next year. I mean, it would take a home run draft, except, by the way, the Lions only have five draft picks right now. Also, because of Bob Quinn. Because he's trading six-round picks for Everson Griffin. He had to trade up in the draft for on Johnson and Deshaun Hand, neither, neither of whom have done anything since they've been with the Lions, shockingly. Deshaun Hand never plays. He's hurt all the time. And listen, Kerryon Johnson, RKG, all day long, right kind of guy. Hard-nosed player. He's just not that good. I mean, it's all there is to it. He's just not that good. He's not special. What, what Karrion Johnson brings to the table, you get from a 6th to 7th round pick or an undrafted free agent. Sorry. I mean, Theo Riddick was a 6th round pick. He had a much, had a much better career than Karrion Johnson. It's just facts. I have nothing against Karen Johnson. Seems like a great guy. Hard worker. Blocks his ass off. Do anything you want. He's just not that good. I mean, the injuries have, have sapped him of, of what talent was there. So, team's not good. I mean, the, the 5-11 and 11 was not an anomaly. So, look, I will remember Matthew Stafford from his... Rookie year against the Browns when he got his shoulder dislocated and still finished a drive and a game-winning drive at that. I played that on one of my very first podcasts. I think I played Dan Miller's radio call. He threw the game-winning touchdown to Brandon Pettigrew, if I'm not mistaken. That was in 09, by the way. Can you believe that? It's 12 years ago. That's insane. 11, I guess, because that was the 09 season. We just finished the 20 season, but... Whatever. This September, October, whenever that was, it'll be 12 years. Been doing podcasts for 12 years? Wow. Still, by the way, haven't figured out a way to monetize. <laughs> That's all right. I do this for fun. I have a day job, and it's a good one. I'm happy with it. So I'll remember that. I'll remember the comebacks against the Cowboys, one in Dallas, one in Detroit, where he did the Detroit game where he made a ridiculous throw from the right hash all the way across the field to the left sideline that maybe one other quarterback in the league could make. I mean, if Patrick Mahomes made that throw uh, this season, forget it. They'd still be talking about that. Or Aaron Rodgers. That was an amazing throw to keep that drive alive. And then... Did the fake spike and then jumped over the uh, the goal line for the game-winning touchdown. That was insane. I remember 
My, my dad was driving down to North Carolina, turned the game off. He was listening on Sirius XM radio. Thought the game was over. I thought the game was over. Everybody thought the game was over. Well, did the Lions get the ball back with, what, about 40 seconds left, I think? Something like that. Uh... And, yeah, I think it was like 40 seconds and maybe one timeout or something like that. Stafford drove him 75 yards for a game-winning touchdown. It was insane. There was the, the, the 98-yard drive in Oakland in the 2011 season. Bring the lines back with huge plays to Calvin Johnson. I mean... Listen, there was the season under Caldwell where they had, what, eight comeback fourth quarter wins or something like that. I mean, the guy the guy was unbelievable. Everything you want in a franchise quarterback. Everything. Toughness, accountability, great in the community, great guy. I mean, he is so underappreciated in league circles. Look, people who know the league and know football know how good he is. And this is, this is tantamount to the way the Angels have wasted Mike Trout's career. Now, I'm not saying Stafford is on the same level as Mike Trout. He's not, right? Mike Trout will probably be a first ballot Hall of Famer when his career is over. But it's the same concept that the Lions have had this jewel, this gem, and have squandered it spectacularly. I mean, remember... Matthew missed a lot of his first two seasons with injuries. Then didn't miss a start for about eight years. Until Bob Quinn got here and started tinkering with the offensive line. And then shockingly, oh, what a surprise. Matthew started getting hurt. I mean, the guy came in the league kind of chubby, baby-faced. Worked hard on his body. Got himself into amazing. The guy's in amazing shape now. Was not particularly mobile when he first came in the league. He's much more mobile than you think now. And he's just, he embodies everything you want in a franchise quarterback. Everything. And I, for one, would love to see him go to a team like the Washington football team, the Colts, maybe even the 49ers. I mean, my ultimate fantasy would be to have him go to the Giants and then I could just full on become a Giants fan because I would, by the way. I would say the Jets too but their uniforms are so terrible I don't think I could root for them. (laughs) I mean those Jets uniforms are so bad it's ridiculous. I mean, I honestly, I, I, I will. I think the only team that it would bum me out if he went to would be the Redskins. I mean, not the sorry Washington Football Team, but not them. No, the Patriots. That would be the only team because he's not going to go to the Bears. I guess he could. <laughs> Technically, no, the Lions would never trade him to the Bears. So. Really, the only, and I'm looking, I'm thinking of teams that could use a quarterback. New England definitely needs one. That would be the one that would bum me out the most, is if they traded him there. But let him go to the Colts and play for my boy Frank Reich from Maryland. Be great. Be a great pairing. It's a good team over there. Let him go. I mean, 
You know, they've got a great defense. They've got a running game. I mean, he would kill it there. I'm going to say this right now. Matthew Stafford gets traded to the Colts and plays a full season or, you know, 14 out of 16 games or whatever it is, is healthy. Colts going to be in the Super- Colts will be in the AFC Championship game next year. You know, provided the rest of their team key players stay healthy. So Matthew, hail and farewell, my friend. One of the greatest players in Lions history, easily the best quarterback in modern history. Probably Bobby Lane is the only other one, and Lord knows that was a long time ago. You did everything right. You everything this franchise wanted and could have asked for and more. And it's a shame that the ineptitude of this franchise finally took its toll. All right, moving on. Let's try to look at some positive news in Lions land, which there is. So AG was here last week. We talked about the GM hire. We talked about the impending Dan Campbell hire. I said I was not happy about it, was not for it. number of different reasons. Seemed like, you know, kind of a bit of a, a rockhead, a bit of a meathead. I remember that's sort of his persona when he was the interim coach of the Dolphins five years ago. Um, you know, has no experience as a coordinator and or obviously as a head coach other than those 12 games in which the Dolphins, by the way, went five and seven. Um, with other, I felt, more qualified candidates available, like Eric Bieniemy, for instance. Uh, thought it was an especially egregious hire. Did not seem to me like the Lions did their due diligence and really did a thorough search. They interviewed Salo, one interview. The Jets happily hired. They interviewed Marvin Lewis. They interviewed Daryl Bevel. They interviewed who was, you know, their offense coordinator and then was the interim head coach after they fired Patricia. They interviewed Bianami once. They were going to interview Arthur Smith, the offensive coordinator from Tennessee, but then he got hired by the Falcons. And they were supposedly going to interview Todd Bowles, which I was not happy about either. Todd Bowles, I understand Tampa Bay's defense. He's the defense coordinator for Tampa Bay now. I understand defense is very good this year. I get it. Certainly gets credit for that. They also have a lot of good players. But Todd Bowles is a body of work, and it's not good. It's 24 and 40, folks. It's not like Anthony Lynn, who we'll get to in a second, who got three years and had a winning record and got run out of town. Or Jim Caldwell, who had a winning record in four years with the Lions and got run out of town. Todd Bowles had every opportunity. He was a bad head coach. Okay, um, I live in New York. I saw enough Jets games to watch Todd Bowles uh, punt the ball with six minutes left to go when his team was down two scores Okay, on multiple occasions. So Todd Bowles struggled with clock management numerous times. Not a head coach. Excellent defensive coordinator. Stay in your lane. But anyway, it's all moot because they hired Dan Campbell. So then he had the wacky press conference. We talked about biting kneecaps and smiling and punching guys, people in the teeth. And, you know, it's all figurative, right? This is supposedly the kind of team that he wants. It's going to, you know, it was interesting. I read a couple of articles about how, oh, he didn't use the cliches about how it's going to be a blue-collar mentality. No, oh, he didn't? Really? I mean, he didn't use the term blue collar, but he used every other cliche and how they're going to be like the the city of Detroit. So it looked pretty goofy. Uh, 
Some national writers wrote some articles that I thought were fair, asked fair questions that uh, if Eric Bieniemy behaved this way or any other black coach, by the way, behaved this way, first of all, could they ever? Could they say the things Dan Campbell said about biting kneecaps and, you know, kicking in teeth and all the other, you know, silliness? Probably not. And again, why is Dan Campbell getting a head coaching job with very little experience, no coordinator experience whatsoever? And by the way, uh, dummies out there that think the assistant head coach is, is, is a real, means a lot, it doesn't mean anything, okay? It's a title, it's a, it's a pay bump. It's not, it's, not a, it's not a big deal, okay? The guy's a tight ends coach, coaches three players, Anyway, sorry. That was directed at a couple of my Twitter followers who seemed to feel that I didn't know what I was talking about because I thought I had the nerve to point out that Dan Campbell doesn't have any experience. And then someone pointed out to me, what do you think the assistant head coach does? Yeah, not nothing, dum-dum. Not a lot. Anyway. Uh... <laughs> So I was first, my, my, my first reaction, I was pretty, I was aghast. Now, he did say a couple of things that I liked initially, which was, he's not a big scheme guy, he's not a big system guy, and he's all about putting, as he said, our best against your worst. And he made, you know, he cited specific examples of we have a great left tackle and we can run outside zone 10 times in a row because their right end can't get off blocks, we'll do it. If we're gonna, th- if we can throw the ball ten times in a row to start the game, because their corner can't cover our best wideout and they're not rolling coverage over there, we'll do that too. Like you know, basically matchups, whatever it takes to win. So that was refreshing to hear. That was encouraging to hear. I liked that initially. I thought all the other stuff was silly, and he looked foolish to me. Uh, he looked unprepared. Um, so. I, I, I was not happy, I, and a lot of the national reaction was that. Interestingly enough, Lions fans who live in Michigan and Detroit seem to love it, and the local media seemed to think that it was uh, it went over well also. So, you know, listen, I've <laughs> been a Lions fan for 40 years. Um, they have proven to be the most inept franchise probably in all of sports, let alone the certainly in the NFL, maybe in all of sports in those 40 years. I mean, we talk about the Knicks. Look, the Knicks at least made the finals twice, right, in the 90s and were a perennial playoff team for, what, 12 years in a row? I mean, I, I moan and groan about the Mets. They won a World Series in my lifetime and, and two others. And have been in the playoffs uh, several other times. So, I mean, compared to, to, the, to the Lions, the Mets are the Yankees. <laughs> so, I mean, literally. I mean, the Lions are a disaster for 40 years. So you'll forgive me. And, and there's been one common denominator. By the way, the Lions have been a disaster for 60 years. I've been a fan for the last 40. So, for 60 years, the Lions have been... A running joke in the NFL. And there's been one common denominator. Players have come and gone. Coaches have come and gone. General managers have come and gone. There's been one common denominator. The Ford family. So you'll forgive me, Lions fans, if I'm not going to blindly 
have faith and accept that Dan Campbell is the answer. Now, having said that, as I said, I was sort of horrified and aghast at his initial press conference. And then I wondered, okay, and then I saw that, you know, it was it actually, a lot of Lions fans seemed to, to be encouraged. Okay? The, the, the media, which is typically skeptical, shall we say, and rightfully so, seemed to take it very positively, line local Detroit media. Okay. All right, maybe, maybe I am letting my, as I thought to myself, maybe I am letting my 40 years of scar tissue inform my decision and I'm not giving him a chance. And maybe I'm only looking at the negative, which again, you, you is understandable given the track record of this franchise. So I asked my boy AG, who has no dog in this fight. He's a Cowboys fan. Anybody's listening to the show knows. Do me a favor. And, and, I, and I obviously, I value his opinion and the guy knows his football. So I said, do me a favor. Watch, watch this press conference. Give me, give me your take. Didn't tell him what my take was at all. Didn't want to cloud his judgment in any way. Just go ahead and watch it. Let me know what you think. He came back and said, I think you might have something there. Guy's authentic. Uh-huh. Really? So then we had to have a little phone call. And you know what? It is an unconventional hire. For the most part, the lines have gone the conventional route. Maybe this is what it takes. Uh, I did see him the next day on Good Morning Football on the NFL, on the NFL Network. Um came off as a little more charming and endearing and and it's not an act it is this is who he is now is he polished not even close uh definitely rough around the edges definitely not your typical kind of quote unquote CEO head coach not by a long shot um there also was a little video on lines.com when he was being shown around the facilities after it had been official that he'd been hired. Now, he did play for the Lions for a couple of years. He was on injured reserve in 08 when they went 0-16, but he was on the team, I believe, in 06 and 07 as like a third-string tight end, you know, purely a blocking tight end. But he claimed he really liked his time when he was here. Those were the really dark days. Those were the Matt Millen days. Um, but so, he, you know, he's familiar with the franchise. And anyway, when they went back to the practice bubble, he, he got all emotional and choked up. My point is, he wants this job. And he said that in his press conference. He told his agent, actually, and that was the other thing I liked, he has a sense of humor. And he joked that, you know, he told his agent to tell him that his name was Matt Campbell, the Iowa State head coach who, you know, was, was a hot name as a potential head coach this time around if teams were going to dip into the college ranks. So he showed a little self-deprecation, a little sense of humor. I like that as well. And um, he wants this job. This is not Steve Mariucci coming here to retire. Now, I said last week that the, the coordinator and the rest of the staff were extremely important hires. As of last week, it was pretty, it seemed sure that Aaron Glenn, former Giants, former Giants, former Jets corner, I mean, he played for other teams, but I always remember as a Jet, that's who drafted him out of Texas A&M. 
who's the Saints DB coach, would be the next D coordinator. He is. Happens to be black. The names for offensive coordinator. Anthony Lynn was the guy I wanted. That's who they hired. Happens to be black. They kept Hank Fraley, the offensive line coach. I like that. They just hired... And let me get this guy's name right. The D-back coach from the Rams, who teams really like. And now I can't think of his name. I think it is. Hold on. Bear with me one second. I think it's Aubrey. Let's see. Aubrey Pleasant. Yes, Aubrey Pleasant is the new D-backs coach. Also happens to be black. Um, is the new D-backs coach. Was with the Rams most recently. Rams have an excellent secondary. Uh, Jalen Ramsey, one of the best corners in the league. Spoke very highly of him. There was some thought that he might be the new, new D-coordinator after their D-coordinator, Brandon Staley, got hired by the Chargers. Uh, Rams ended up hiring Raheem Morris instead. Uh, you know, who's a more seasoned D coordinator. Um, but by all accounts, this is a, a, a home run hire. Um, so, so far, love what Dan Campbell has done. Oh, and then they just also hired Deuce Staley, the Eagles uh, running backs coach, to be the running backs coach slash assistant head coach here. Former, you know, pretty good running back in his own right. Um, so... You've got a head coach who played in the league not that long ago, a D coordinator who played in the league not that long ago, offensive coordinator who's been a head coach and a successful one. I mean, remember, Chargers beat Lamar Jackson's brains in two years ago in the playoffs and went 12-4. and four. We talked about how I thought Anthony Lynn got, got a, a bum rap and, and, you know, three years was too quick to fire a guy who – had the track record he had in San Diego. But whatever, that's fine. He's now the Lions offensive coordinator. I'm very happy about it. So I love the staff they're putting together. Love it. And if you're even trying to forecast and look ahead, you know, look, Aaron Glenn, see, th- this is how, and I listen, it's sad. I remember in 09, talking about the lack of, of black head coaches in the NFL and on a, on a show. And, you know, we're still talking about it today in 2021. I mean, it is, it is laughable. And it's not laughable. It's, it's bad. But, um, but this, is how, this is how hopefully it gets better, right? You've got Aaron Glenn, Anthony Lynn, who was a head coach. Now he's going to be a coordinator. If that offense is good in a couple of years – Lions end up drafting, you know, a young quarterback, and that quarterback is successful. Anthony Lynn will get a lot of looks. Lions turn their defense around in a couple years on around Glenn. He's going to get some looks as a head coach. And then hopefully maybe Aubrey Pleasant, the D-backs coach, replaces Aaron Glenn. You've got a succession plan in place. So, I mean, I like it. And look, I get it. I get from a national media perspective when you see Dan Campbell's goofy press conference and you say, black guys aren't getting hired because of this guy? I get it. Lions, I'm sorry, you're barking up the wrong tree. They're not your problem. 
Lions hired Martin Mayhew as a general manager 12 years ago. Sheldon White was interim general manager when they fired Mayhew. They hired Jim Caldwell. He coached there for four years. Now their offensive coordinator is black. Their defensive coordinator is black. They have a black backs coach. Their GM is black. One of his assistants, Ray Agnew, former NC State defensive lineman, has been with the Rams in their personnel department. They just hired him as well. Lions have had a better track record than most teams when it comes to minority hiring, particularly African-American black hires. So they're not the problem. So I'm actually kind of bullish on the coaching staff. And I think it also says a lot that A, Anthony Lynn wanted to come here. I think it says speaks well for Campbell that he's willing to hire a guy who was a head coach and a fairly successful one at that. As his offensive coordinator, doesn't feel threatened by him. I like that a lot. Aaron Glenn had other offers. He could have gone to other teams, including the Bears. Decided to come here because he likes Campbell from the time they spent together in New Orleans. I think that's you know certainly a check mark to, to uh, a positive check mark for for Campbell. So listen, my default attitude with the Lions is always to think everything they do is terrible <laughs> for the most part. And these last five years or so between Quinn and Patricia have been brutal. Right. I'm going to give it up. I'm going to give that up. I'm going to I'm going to have a little faith here. Sheila Fordhamp does seem different than her father and her mother. I'm going to show a little faith. And I'm going to be fully behind Brad Holmes, Ray Agnew, oh, and the Lions hired John Dorsey, former GM for the Browns and the Chiefs. He was with the Chiefs when the Chiefs put together basically what's now this Super Bowl winning team and now the other this team that's in the Super Bowl again, back-to-back years. He's a great evaluator of talent. Lions put together an all-star front office and an all-star coaching staff. I mean, other than Dan Campbell. But their assistants are phenomenal. And look, if Campbell portrays and exudes a positive attitude and, and guys really want to play for him. And look, you take it with a grain of salt because there were plenty of Patriots players that vouched for Patricia and said how what, how wonderful he was, right? But a lot of guys from the Dolphins and the Saints have had glowing things to say about Campbell. So if he's just kind of the face of the franchise leading the charge and, you know, at least, you know, has clock doesn't have clock management issues... Maybe it works out. Now, again, the roster is bad, folks. It's really bad. And they're not fixing it in one year because they don't have a ton of cap room. And signing a bunch of free agents is never the answer anyway. And they only have five draft picks. Now, ostensibly, they will increase that because they're going to get at least one first-round pick for Stafford this year. You would think they should be able to get a first and a third for him. There's enough teams that are going to want him and be bidding for his services. So even though he'll be 33 at the beginning of this year and is coming off, you know, some injuries, although the guy plays through everything because he's tough as nails. Um, so the, the draft hall should be better. They should have more than five picks 
at least six this year, maybe seven. You know, or maybe it's they get a first this year and a, a second round pick next year. You know, we'll see how that all shakes out. But screw it. Why not? Why not be positive? What the hell you got to lose? This team's beaten me down for 40 years anyway. What's one more? <laughs> all right, moving on. Playoffs. So, Green Bay, Tampa Bay. Put my money where my mouth is. I thought Tampa Bay was going to win this game. I bet on them. Uh, I did do a tease and I gave them more points, which was stupid because I really felt that they were going to out- win outright anyway. And then, like a dummy, instead of just doing the Chiefs plus three, I did Buffalo plus nine. And uh, so I lost my, my overall bet. But um, I like Tampa Bay in that game. Talked about their defense last week. Plenty of weapons on offense for Brady. Packers played nobody this year. I understand they rolled through the league. Uh, the NFC North was a joke this year. Lions stunk. Bears stunk. Vikings stunk. Um, you know, when they played a couple of good teams, Green Bay got smacked around. They struggled against the Jacksonville Jaguars late in the year. Yes, Rodgers had an unworldly year. He's great. Did not play great on Sunday. But this this whole game changed in a couple of couple of couple of plays. End of the first half. Ten seconds left. Packers inexplicably aren't in a prevent defense. They're in man. Kevin King lets Scotty Miller get behind him for like a 40-yard touchdown that ends up scoring with one second left. Made it 21-10 at half. That was a killer. And then you know, example number 1,875 NFL coaches have no idea what they're doing when it comes to when to go for two and when not to go for two. Packers score to make it what should be 28-24 at the end of the third quarter. But instead, like a dope, Matt LaFleur decides to go for two to get it to 28-25. Why, Matt? Because with a whole fourth quarter to go, what are you going to do? You're going to play for a field goal and get the game to 28-28 and then go into overtime? You nitwit. Of course you kick the extra point there. You don't go for two because now you're down eight. And now if you score a touchdown, now you have to go for two. Which ended up playing a huge role late in the game. Because when it was 31-23 and fourth and goal from the eight, Matt LaFleur didn't trust Aaron Rodgers to go for it with two minutes left. He kicked a field goal and gave the ball back to Tom Brady. Tampa Bay ran out the clock. Got a big pass interference call, which, by the way, was pass interference. The guy grabbed the dude's jersey twice. Now, had the refs let a lot of stuff go in that game? Absolutely. That's a Tom Brady Charmed Life. The Tom Brady Charmed Life tour continues in full effect. He also threw three interceptions, by the way, in the second half. Still somehow, Tampa Bay managed to win that game. And again, Rodgers wasn't great either. But look, JPP played well. Sue played well. Shaq Barrett played well. Devin White played well. Levante David played well. Sean Murphy bunting, safety play. I mean, Tampa Bay's defense is pretty good. 
It's pretty good. Now, look, they gave up some plays. Carlton Davis got beat a couple of times. You know, they were also perfect passes from Rodgers. But, you know, now they're going against Mahomes, and it's not like it's getting any, any easier. But that was that was the game. That The play at the end of the first half, LaFleur idiotically going for two with a whole fourth quarter to go, and then electing to not go for it on fourth down. But again, if they went for it on fourth down, even if they scored a touchdown, then they would have had to go for two to tie the game. Now, even if they didn't get it, if they got a three and out, they could have still won with a field goal. I get it. But, again, when there's a whole four, you don't chase points with a whole quarter of play to go. It makes no sense. And when Brady threw those interceptions, the Packers got the ball back. They didn't do anything with it. And the Aaron Jones fumble was a killer also. That was a killer. So... You know, and then after the game, Rodgers, oh, I don't know about my future. Now, now everybody yesterday saying, oh, that's it. He's out. Because, look, he, he, he was unhappy that they drafted a quarterback. They didn't draft a receiver. Um, he seemed to not like the coach when the coach first got hired. Supposedly they've mended fences there. So everybody was basically saying, oh, he, he didn't want to, he's out. But he pretty much walked that back today. There are a few people with cooler heads yesterday who said, look, he's emotional. They just lost, you know, the championship game at home. I mean, for a guy who's the greatest thing since sliced bread, uh, Super Bowl appearances, how many? One? How many home championship games have they hosted since Rodgers has been a quarterback? Oh, one. Sunday, they lost. Not saying he's not great. Guy's great. And by the way, you could tell too, it's funny. The refs did not know what to do in that game. It's like, wait, wait. We got to give Tampa Bay calls because they have Brady. Wait, we got to give Green Green Bay calls because they have Rodgers. What? What What should we do? I don't even know. I guess we will just let him play. And then the night game was Casey Buffalo. Not a very good game. Buffalo got out to a 9 nothing start. The help of uh, a muffed kick return by Miko Hardman. Buffalo, of course, makes extra point. Unless they've been up 10 nothing, they're only up 9 nothing. And Sean McDermott's kicking field goals. <laughs> He's not leading the Chiefs kicking field goals, my man. I don't know what to tell you. I mean, fourth and goal from the two, you got to go for a touchdown there. You cannot be kicking a field goal. Sorry. Especially when you're down whatever it was, 16 points at the time. I mean, what are you, out of your mind? And his, his reasoning was, well, I, you know, I, I didn't want us to not get it and then our morale. Well, I, I don't know. Put your defense out there. Maybe get a three and out. And Bill's defense pretty good all year. Now, look, I get it. It's the Chiefs. Their offense is great. All the more reason why. You've got to go for touchdowns. You can't kick field goals. But listen, Bills are a good team. Josh Allen didn't play great. His numbers look good. He didn't play great. They confused him with a lot of blitzes. Steve Spagnuolo, D coordinator for the Chiefs, did a great job. Uh, Cole Beasley basically turned out he was playing on a broken leg. <laughs> that hurt him. Uh, they did a good job on Diggs, pretty much shut him down. Um, and the Bills don't have a running game to speak of. So, you know, that hurt him. I mean, Josh Allen's their best running game. But he's not the reason that they lost. I'm just saying he didn't play great. I mean, the numbers look good. He had 300 yards and 77 yards rushing, and he threw a couple touchdowns. Um, 
The reason the Bills lost because Allen's not as good as Mahomes, and the Bills don't have anybody like Tyreek Hill. I mean, you saw those plays that he made. I mean, you know, five-yard passes turn into 75-yard gains. I mean, the guy's insane. He's a video game. You get the guy, you get that guy the ball in the op- in open space, in the open field, and good luck trying to tackle him. I mean, and then he puts on the after jets, and it's that's it. Plus, oh, and that's, I'm sorry, and they also have the best tight end in the league in Travis Kelsey too. <laughs> I mean, I mean Tyreek Hill had what, like nine catches for 170 yards, and Kelsey had like 12 catches for like 150 yards and a touchdown or two. I mean, it's and you know there was. Two or three plays when the game was still relatively close where it looked like, you know, Bill's defenders had Mahomes dead to rights and he wiggled out of their grasp and still made ridiculous throws on third down when it looked like the Bills were maybe going to get off the field. I mean, the guy, the guy's ridiculous. And the Chiefs defense is better than you think. I mean, it gets no love at all. We talked about it last week. But guess what? Again, this is the new day. This, this is what happened. This is how, this is, this is why, another reason why Matt Patricia is an idiot and didn't know what the hell he's doing. Because the, the, the days of, of having a dominant defense, you know, the Bears and whatever, 85 Bears, those days are over. All the rules are in favor of the offense. But you better have a pass rush. That's it. You got to disrupt the other team's quarterback, and you better have a pass rush, and the Chiefs have a pass rush. Right? Mike Jones is probably the best interior pass rusher this side of Aaron Donald in the league. Right, Frank Clark is one of the best edge, rush, edge rushers in the league. Chiefs can rush the passer, so it sets up an interesting Super Bowl. I mean, you got Tampa Bay and Brady and that good team and all that all that firepower on offense with Evans and Godwin and uh, Gronkowski and. Jones and Fournette have formed a nice little backfield there, a little one-two punch against, you know, Chiefs who 15-1. and one. They are, what was the stat I heard yesterday? Kornheiser said it on PTI. They're like 25-1 and one in their last 26 games. And and they win, and they win close too. They, they don't always blow people out. And I know people are trying to ding them for that. Who cares about the margin? They win. Mahomes makes plays when they counts to win. So, of course, I will be rooting hard for the Chiefs. Um, as you all know, I'm not a big Brady guy. All right, lastly, Knicks. So, got off to a nice start, 5-3. and three. Lost three in a row, 5-8. and eight. Looked real bad in the process. Won three in a row, got to 8-8. Eight and eight. Beat Golden State in Golden State. Start of a four-game West Coast Swing. Then, classic Knicks fashion, laid an egg against a terrible Sacramento team. Totally predictable. Then, laid another egg against the Blazers, who hadn't played in a week and had fresh legs, and the Knicks didn't. Made a furious comeback in the fourth quarter, sparked by Emmanuel Quickly's 31 points. Fell a little short. Got a bad call against Julius Randle, which the refs admitted to after the game was the wrong call. Could have been a three-point swing the other way in favor of the Knicks. Ended up losing by three. And now they play tonight against Utah, who's actually good. But the Knicks have shown sort of a habit of playing up and down to their competition this year. So we'll see. 
But the Knicks are at least watchable. Talked about Julius Randle. has been a revelation. Guy's playing great basketball. Mitchell Robinson playing well. Still, still, you'd like to see some improvement or some refinement, some sort of an offensive game. But that's okay. Let let him still do what he does. He's like Marcus Camby. Alley-oop dunks, put-back dunks, run the floor on the fast break. In the rare occasions, the Knicks can get out on a break and dunk and then protect the rim on defense. And he's gotten much better this year at staying out of foul trouble. It's been his biggest bugaboo. And then Nerlens Noel, who's his backup, is kind of like the same guy. Shot blocker, rim protector, rebounder. So they got a nice little one-two punch there. Randall's been great. Alfred Payton is the weirdest player I've ever seen. Some games he looks really good. Other games, most games, I've never seen somebody miss more shots from six feet and closer than Alfred Payton. Forget about outside shooting. He can't shoot from the outside at all. But then he has these games where he gives you like 16 points, 10 assists, 8 rebounds. It's far too inconsistent. Knicks fans are clamoring for quickly to be the starter now. And I get it. I understand. You know, it's you're pretty much rebuilding, but that's not how Tibbs thinks. You know, 500 gets you in the playoffs. You can do both. You can you can you can develop young players and also be a playoff team. Um I'm fine. It doesn't matter who starts the game, it's who finishes the game. You know. I think Peyton just had no legs. Lillard killed him. Lillard kills a lot of guys. I mean, it happens. The biggest problem the Knicks have is small forward. Where, you know, they're starting R.J. Barrett kind of at small forward. Or Reggie Bullock at small forward. Or Alec Burke at small forward. Uh, and, 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 and by the way, other than before the Portland game, Barrett had played well. Still can't shoot a three to save his life, but he's in Cruz's foul shooting a lot. He's 75% at the at the foul line now, up from 61% last year. And his 18-foot and in game is pretty good. He rebounds. Look, don't think he's ever going to be a star, but definitely should be an above-average starter. So, Knicks actually may have finally had a good draft pick there. But the biggest problem is Kevin Knox. I mean, it was a terrible pick. It was a terrible pick. And, I mean, they could have had Michael Porter Jr. Or is it Kevin Porter? I forget which one. One's on the Cavs, although he just got traded. The kid out in Denver who was coming off, you know, from Missouri who had a back injury and was going to basically redshirt. There's no reason why the Knicks shouldn't have taken him. They weren't going to be any good anyway, so let the kid redshirt and get him in your program, get him stronger and, you know, whatever. It's fine. He's played great for Denver. And the other guy they could have had was a known commodity and a known quantity. But God forbid he played four years at Villanova was Mikhail Bridges. And he's really coming into his own out in Phoenix this year. And again, not a star, but a really solid player. Improved his three-point shooting. Plays good defense, rebounds. He's like an old-school 80s, 90s small forward, right? He's like 6'7", 6'8". Gives you about 15 and 7, you know. He's a good player. And I understand everybody's all excited because Kevin Knox hits some threes every now and then. That's all he does. He does nothing else. Plays no defense. Doesn't rebound. Can't score in any other fashion. He's a disaster. So the Knicks need a small forward in the worst way. And by the way, all the people out there crushing the Knicks already because... uh, the Halliburton kid for 
Sacramento had a nice game against the Knicks last weekend on Friday night. And Obi Toppin, you know, has hardly impressed yet. Uh, Obi Toppin's played, what, five games? I mean, he was hurt. He's a rookie. He plays the same position Julius Randle plays. Yeah, he's moving a million miles an hour right now. A lot of rookies do that. It happens. Can we have a little patience, please? I mean, he's shown some flashes. I mean, look, he's got to show a more polished game. Right now, he's just a dunker. But he looks like a real good kid and a hard worker. And he's athletic. I mean, you could see there's a couple times where he had mismatches and he's getting called for travels or fouls because he's just moving too fast right now because he's just in a hurry because he's just over, you know, he's just over anxious. It happens. Once the game slows down for him, he'll be fine. Everybody relax. But again, at least the Knicks are watchable. For the most part, they give you a solid effort every night. Likeable guys on a team. Tibbs is great. And listen, we'll see what happens in March when the trade trade deadline rolls around. But, you know, if for some reason they have a bad streak and they're completely out of the playoff picture, you know, there may be, as long as some of these guys continue to play at least decently, you, you may get something for Alfred Payton or Nerlens Noel or Alec Burks. Or Reggie Bullock. Maybe somebody even, uh, you know, take a flyer on Dennis Smith Jr. or Nilakina, thinking that a change of scenery, you know, those guys are still young. I mean, what's Nilakina's 22? I think Dennis Smith Jr.'s 23. I mean, they're not old. So you never know. All right, that's going to do it for tonight's show. As always, thanks for listening. Until next time, peace out.